Spoiler alert, this episode contains spoilers for episode 8 of ImpTab Avatar 10,000 Things. Not as big of a spoiler as in our last episode, but I still want it there just for completeness, you know. Don't want anybody falling through the cracks. Anyway, on with the show. What's shaking, everybody? It's the obligatory talkback, the show where we step outside the narrative and break down the story from our perspective as very professional actors. <laughs> I am very professional actor Ned Wilcock, your host and GM. In this talkback, we're discussing episodes four through seven of ImpTab Avatar, 10,000 Things, which means I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton, a professional uh, talker person <laughs> who talks into a microphone sometimes for money. Such professional talking... <laughs> It kind of steal. <laughs> Highly unprofessional. And Christian Randall. Professional, save for the fact that I don't get paid for anything. Even at his real job, like... <laughs> no, they don't pay me for they that. They pay him. <laughs> Just, we're surviving on a... My good looks. Uh, yeah. we are... Very poor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, I also forgot to mention, because of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, weird stuff... I don't have laryngitis again. I am still recovering from the same bout of laryngitis that you might have heard <laughs> me recovering from on a different episode. But, you know, things do get a little bit wibbly-wobbly around here. You know, when you're recording in over a dozen different worlds, it, it all just kind of mashes into a weird soup. Mm, soup. But, like I said, in this talkback, we're going through episodes four through seven. This is essentially the pie show tournament arc of our campaign. Campaign. And so we're going to pick up, we've just barely finished the buzzard wasp fight. And on the journey to bossing, say, we started to really dig into the guide and comfort move. And I just want to get your response to that moment because I thought that was a super powerful moment for the campaign. Yeah, for me, that was such a drastic like shift in my mindset. It's like, okay, the, the idea that like I had to go out and talk to these characters and actually like have some RP in order to heal. I just loved that. I thought that was so cool. And I feel like it was so fun to just like dig into it right after that really kind of technical episode we had previously with the fight. Well, and I I feel like it really helps to take those really intense moments of these battles or whatever caused you to have that damage or conditions in the first place and it really helps to solidify the outcome of said conditions um, how it affected you and how it affected the relationships around you and I really wish more RPG systems were more based upon that because in the time that I've played any type of RPG RPG, I've never felt such a connection to my other players. Mm -hmm. Helps you connect to your own character as well. Absolutely. Just the fact that traumatic stuff has happened and you can't just be like, oh, I guide and comfort them. Check. Like, you can't just check the box. You have to actually roleplay through the situation in order for the things to happen. And I think that's cool. Yeah, I think I mentioned this during the episode itself, but I love how this RPG compared to other RPGs. Like in D&D, if you have these character moments, it's really just icing on top of the cake. And we love it when those happen in those games. But this game actually mechanizes those awesome character moments. And so you get to learn things about your characters and about their relationships 
relationships that probably would never have existed otherwise. Yeah, just honestly, that first episode, it was unexpected for me because we'd never done it. I didn't know what was going to happen. Just having those conversations after the buzzard wasp fight and like, I feel like Amar really kind of became a part of the cohesive whole of the group in that first episode. Totally. Mm -hmm. And following that guiding and comforting session, we finally made it to Bossing Say. How did you guys feel when you were entering the city? Like, did you expect that things were going to get as crazy and political as they did? Absolutely not. No way. <laughs> I don't know what I expected. In my mind, I was like, I know something crazy is going to happen, but I don't know what it is. So I felt like my expectations were both low and met, <laughs> if that makes any type of sense. Yeah, well, we did have pretty early on the those moments of like, hey, there's this person who watched us come in and it was very interested in the fact that we're coming from Washi Tong. So we started to have those little moments along the way, kind of right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it got crazier than I was expecting. Well, and then also like right away, Loeb Sang was like right there at the gate and we just didn't <laughs> do anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> we, did, we really didn't even have to go all the way in. We could have just, you know, been like, oh, hey, bud, what's up? Let's go. If we would have just, you know, hung around there a little bit longer. Hold up. He was at the gate? He was right there. Yeah, you guys walked into the city. You met up with Professor Che and Professor Quay. And on the way up to the middle ring, I was like, yeah, there's people demonstrating off to the side for the potato cabin. Shoot. He was there? Of course he was there. <laughs> Duh. But did we just give out spoilers? Yeah, I'll, I'll add a little disclaimer at the beginning to let people know that there will be spoilers. But yeah, then starting to get even more deep into bossing say... So we've talked a little bit about how much of this campaign is improv as opposed to like our fate episodes, which are 100% improv. But to pull back the curtain a little bit, when we entered Bossing Say, here's everything that I had prepped. I had one line of description for Professor Che and Professor Quay each. I had an outline of what had happened in Bossing Say leading up to this point, and I had combat stats for Taya and the Dai Li, and that was it. Really? That was everything I prepared for Bossing Say. Wow. Oh, That's fun. I'm curious then. You did not expect this to go anywhere that it went, did you? I had no idea. Like, as soon as you guys talked about the game night and yes. the high show tournament, I was like, oh, yep, this is where we're going. That was so fun. That was one of my favorite moments because, McKenna, you were, like, grasping at straws. You're like, yeah, if there's any, like, I don't know, like, parties or, you know, like, public meetings or... And then you were, like, fumbling. You're like game nights I don't know like and I laughed at that I'm like that's hilarious and then Ned latched onto that and he's like oh yeah uh, there is a pie show tournament oh, and it was so good perfect so just again jumping on the improv idea in these episodes, I mentioned that Jetsun had never won a pie show tournament. Mm -hmm. Or a, even a game of pie show, right? Won a pie show game. It's coming from real life because I never I, let you win. I'm really bad at everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was something that I just thought would be funny and kind of a throwaway thing. But later on becomes rather significant. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you're actually in that final game against the king. But yeah, this was a fun episode. We start to get a sense of what the city is like. We start to get a deeper sense of, hey, people are watching your every single move while you're oh, in yeah. the city. Yeah. I hated that so bad. Spooky-ooky. Hey, you guys, 
I loved how bad you guys were. Oh, so bad. <laughs> With your focus rolls. And... My focus was bad, man. No, it no, was focus terrible. is fine. I'm good at focus. It's the creativity rolls for like deceiving. That's what it was. Hiding, no, mine's just around. straight bad focus. Yeah, because you were you were trying to have all these creative solutions, and then you're like, oh wait, my character. I am not creative. <laughs> and that, in large part, is what led to so many of these interesting political twists and all of the red tape you guys were trying to work your way through is if you'd rolled well, then stuff would have gone well for you. Oh yeah. And just like every step along the way, every choice you make does have a consequence when you're improvising the game to this degree. It was wild. Man, this is true long form improv. Yeah. <laughs> I used to shake in my boots at 10 minutes of that. Yeah. We used to struggle to get to the 10 minute mark when we were doing a scene on stage. And now here we are doing like 45 minute episodes on the regular. <laughs> but yeah, then also in this episode, we had that fun little training montage with Jetsune learning how to play Pie Show. That's right. Banging pots and pans. In the mm-hmm. library. In the library. <laughs> we should know better. We're librarians. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> yeah. But then eventually we finally got into the Pie Show tournament itself. Just my first question with the tournament is why was that so intense? So <laughs> I don't intense. know. So much more intense than it needed. Like we were all sweating while recording. We were all like so stressed about what if we all lose our pie show games? It's over. We what lost. are we gonna do? <laughs> then what's the plan? We have no plan. I think part of it is with tabletop role-playing games, you're very used to like combat against like, you know, a big scary monster or something rearing its ugly head in your face. It's a very different thing to like be facing political intrigue mm-hmm. and like people where, I mean, you say the wrong thing and even though it's just in this game, that's going to, you know, hold major consequences. The Dai Li are going to come after us in our sleep and stuff <laughs> like that. Like it was just a very different kind of stress in game. And then Ned throws Taya at us oh. at the tournament. Ugh, she's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think about that reveal? That was kind of the first major secret reveal of the campaign. I loved it so much. I was so excited. Oh my gosh. I have been waiting to see what happens with her. Mm -hmm. Because I knew if we were bringing Amar back, more than likely Taya was going to be somewhere involved in this. There's no way. I mean, our whole entire goal is getting these, like, all this stuff back. Um, I didn't think we would see her so soon, but, (laughs) oh, I love her her. Oh, she's so cool. She's like Captain Phasma in Star Wars. Yeah, this was a really fun thing for me as the GM. So, like, in the last episode, McKenna talked about how she feels like a horrible player because she doesn't give the GM enough information about the character. But this definitely was a moment where it was like, McKenna left Taya as a very blank slate for that first one-shot, and that allowed me to really just take it and run as hard as I could. You're so welcome. I feel like I should have seen it coming, and I absolutely did not. I was shocked when she came out and I was like, oh no, oh no, this is very bad. It was also really fun to play with that dramatic irony where we all know who she is, but none of our characters, like even Amar with his memory loss didn't know who she was. So Mm -hmm. none of our characters 
Like, we all could tell she was important, but we didn't realize to what extent mm-hmm. until, I mean, I really don't think our characters really understood it until Jetsune had that pie show match at the end of the tournament. Yeah. And that was really only because of those crazy good harmony roles that I was lucky to have for the, <laughs> the training we did. Yeah. And we mentioned a little bit last episode, like Christian, you asked Caleb that question of, is it difficult to portray Amar? Like, Caleb, you know stuff that your character doesn't. And that is something that is kind of an interesting through line with this entire campaign is we know a lot as the players that our characters have no way of knowing. And so there's kind of a willful playing dumb that's going on on our part in order to let the story be what it needs to be. Like, you look at the entire premise of the campaign in general, all of us know what happens to the Air Nomads. All of us know what Fire Lord Sozin is going to do. And so in order to tell a good story, though, in this prequel setting, we need to willingly make sure that our characters don't know any of that so that we can portray them realistically. And I think we've been doing a pretty good job so far. I think so. I think half the time that's because my brain just throws that in the back of my mind and says, oh, that's not where we're ending up. And so I kind of forget <laughs> that's where we're headed eventually. Yeah, that's future Zaya's problem. Yeah, that's future <laughs> Zaya's problem. So that's a thank you brain moment. But no, I, th- I think so. I think especially if we just get so caught up in just what's happening right now, yeah. it helps so much more to not have to worry about like what's going on with uh, endgame things. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yes, that's stuff that's going to happen in the future. But yeah, just like you said, McKenna, in many ways, it doesn't pertain at all to what is going on right now. And that's what makes stories interesting is what is going on with these characters right here, right now. Yeah. And I mentioned the last time a little bit of that research I'd done about how to make a good prequel. And I guess this is a good time to dig more into that. The thing with doing a prequel is we already do know the end from the beginning. And so we can't have the stakes of this story be about questions that already have clear outcomes. We're not asking the question of, can we save the Air Nomads? We're not asking the question of, can we stop Fire Lord Sozin? So we need to make sure that we focus on the smaller things. We need to find stakes that still have some ambiguity. And the way that we do that is by asking the question of what were the unseen story arcs of what was happening during this time? While Aang was off with Monk Gyatso training in the Southern Air Temple, what was everybody else doing? What are the personal struggles they're going through? What are the heartbreaks that they're experiencing? What are the relationships that they're building? Who are these new characters? That's a good example of why Rogue One is a pretty darn good prequel. Mm -hmm. So good. We have all of these new characters with their own motivations. We know that all those characters are going to die because they're not in the original trilogy, but we care so much about them because of their personalities and because of their wants and their struggles. And so that is how we've tried to structure this. We're not focusing on the kings. We're focusing on the pawns, essentially. Ooh, I like that. Very poetic. Oh, thank you. I do have a question. Kind of just going back to Ned's question, I guess. For you specifically with Taya, what was going through your head when she showed up? Like that very first moment and through the whole pie show tournament, what were you thinking in and out of character? Well, I guess mostly out of character because in character, you didn't really know who she was. Well, I can't let you guys know what she was thinking in character because there's still a lot of layers of this onion that you guys have to get to. (laughs) But what I was kind of thinking out of character by introducing Taya at this point is 
because we have a story that we're crafting that's so focused around the wants of you guys and your characters, there's a lot of talks in the RPG community about the idea of railroading. Like, is the GM forcing us to do something because it's just part of their story? But here's a little secret for all you GMs out there. When your story is focused on what the characters want to do, you don't have to worry about railroading because every quest hook that you're presenting for them is something that is meaningful to their character. Like earlier on, when you guys first entered Bossing, say at the beginning, I knew that Zaya's whole shtick was, hey, I left the Southern Water Tribe so I could find these waterbenders who disappeared. And it'd be kind of a jerk move if I were to just ignore that and not give you guys an opportunity to go to the Foggy Swamp and find those people. So that's why we have Professor Che showing up and being all like, oh, hey, I know about these waterbenders in the Foggy Swamp. And then we have this thing with Taya as well, who is obviously very connected with Amar's background. And then later on, we start to see some of these things with Jetsun and his backstory. So the introduction of Taya in this moment was essentially me looking forward and saying, what is going to be meaningful for these characters? What stakes can I present that are going to make them feel connected to the story and to move it in a direction that is going to give them the best experience? Just in general, as a GM, I think you should make the story much more for your players than it is for you. That is good advice. <laughs> yeah, like if I have my story that I want to tell and I'm trying to shove it down your throats, then that's not going to be a great time for you guys. But if my interests are your interests, if I decide to make what you guys want what I want, then boom, it's synergy, baby. <laughs> synergy, baby. Synergy, baby. Kind of a basic question, but what was your favorite pie show match you played? For me, it was probably the one I played with Amar. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Not your girlfriend? That one was fun. It led to some fun stuff, but the one with Amar was just hilarious. That was good. I liked the one where I almost got caught, just because that was just kind of exciting, because I almost got caught. You got beat by a little girl, yeah. She was just, she was something else. I think that was fun. I think that's also something that added another intensity to the pie show tournament, was especially for me. Majority of the time I was trying to cheat just because my <laughs> roles were bad anyways and I just had to cheat. So that added another level of if I'm cheating and I get caught, then the die lee. So yeah, that one for me was really fun. Boy, of my pie show games. Let's see, I had Rion Sungi. I had the really boring guy. <laughs> the most average man in the world. Yeah, he was pretty <laughs> Honestly, fun. Honestly, I don't know why. He needs to be an average at something. <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered this. I recently listened to that episode, and Jetsun, you had a moment also where you beat a kid. I think it was on the entry level. Like, just to get into the tournament, you beat, like, a fifth grader, and they were, like, livid. <laughs> and you said, like, I fear I have made an enemy for life. I'm really hoping that that kid ends up being the final boss in this campaign. Mm, planted by Taya at the very beginning. <laughs> yes. That'd be amazing. Dude, speaking about that initial qualifier and going back to McKenna's comment about the cheating mechanic that we had that kind of upped the stakes... I don't know if any of you could hear it in my voice at the very beginning when Christian was the only one who actually succeeded in the qualifying round. <laughs> yeah. You might have been able to hear me kind of like, shoot, shoot, uh, how do I get everybody into the tournament? You guys can cheat. Who wants to cheat? You made that up. You made that up. It's improv. He makes everything up. <laughs> 
Of course he made it up. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, this is going to be so boring if Jetsune is the only one who gets to play Pai Show for the entire tournament. So it started out of necessity of me just trying to get you guys to still have a chance to play, and it did turn into a very intense part of the tournament. But come on, I mean, you know Amar and Zaya. Oh, would have cheated as soon as they could. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I just mean, if we didn't make it into that tournament, there's no way we would have just sat on the sidelines watching a pie show tournament. Oh, yeah, that we too. We would have gotten into other shenanigans. But I did enjoy the moments where I did sit and just watch because I had, like, popcorn and stuff, and that was great. That's true. But yeah, reminiscing about all of these different characters that we ran into, that was the thing that surprised me the most from the Pi Show tournament was how many people you met. Yeah. Like the networking that you did, all of the allies that you gained during that tournament. I really did enjoy Huli. The uh, old person flirting was amazing. <laughs> That's one word for it. <laughs> I do not look forward to 40 years down the road. <laughs> but yeah, I guess what surprised each of you the most from this tournament? How long I stayed in? <laughs> I would say, honestly, the, the most surprising slash scary thing was the fact that I knew who Taya was and I knew that she was there. I think probably the uh, the roguish ne'er-do-well was my most surprising opponent. I liked him as well. I think what surprised me most was the stakes. I wasn't expecting the Pai Show tournament necessarily to be... Like, we already know that, okay, there's creepy watchers in the shadows and stuff. This Pai Show tournament is probably going to be kind of a separate little, you know, side quest so that we can meet the Earth King. And then the Daily's going to come back into it. But no, they were there the whole time. And that surprised me. Yeah, just their pervasive presence was... Everywhere. I feel like you guys kept getting so much more noticed than me. <laughs> it's because we're super cool people. Yeah, we're just no. Noticeable. Super cool hot people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, you were the ones who were like actively going out into the streets while Jetsune was just sitting in a library the entire time. That is also true. That too. He got noticed when he was playing tour guide. That's true. When were you playing tour guide? With uh, Quay? Professor Quay or Che? One of the two. One of oh, the like two. Oh, like back to the library? <laughs> because I'm an insufferable know-it-all, I was trying to give them a tour of the Oh, city. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was really, that was a fun aspect to play, was this character who always has that front on of knowing everything and, you know, being wise old man, going into a situation where he knew he had never in the past been successful. I loved that. What a gift. <laughs> yeah, one thing that I had been meaning to mention last episode, but never got a chance to is when you were talking about the idea of playing a character who is smarter than you are in real life how sometimes you just kind of have to let go and see what comes out of your mouth honestly i think that's the best way to do it because some of the stuff that jetsune says is pretty darn profound yeah yeah <laughs> well let's remember he's the one saying it not me <laughs> yeah you just trust that your character is going to say something profound and you just let him say it and talk a lot then one of the things you say might be profound mm -hmm. <laughs> well we've been talking a lot here uh any other thoughts that you guys have from this first half of the bossing say experience i will say one more thing i love how many irons it put into the fire like so many threads were laid during this first part that during the second part we had to deal with uh the consequences of or just follow up with and it all everything felt significant and justified in the end which is something i think is really cool with improv 
that maybe if it had been more pre-written or planned, we might have missed certain hints or things that were dropped. But in this, you really only need to drop the hints that, or you really, I guess you only need to justify the hints that you dropped. So if you, or if you drop a hint, you just follow up with it. If you don't drop a hint, you don't have to follow up with it. So it's, it might be a little bit of an easier thing. I don't know. I'm, my brain's jelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one more question for all of you guys. Who is your favorite NPC in Boston City so far? Man, Professor Che is mine. Yeah. Or Quay. I can never tell them apart. I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah, both of them are fantastic. But I also really like Cooley. That was my choice. Cooley was pretty I great, too. I know it was your choice. We all knew that was your choice. <laughs> because she's amazing, though. Cooley who makes tea. She was so fun. But the thing is, there were just so there were so many good ones. Mm-hmm. There were just a ton. Well, there were just also so many more NPCs. Like, yeah. And it makes sense, because we're either in the library, where you already know everybody, and it's smaller, or we're in the desert. <laughs> so once we get to a populated area, there's going to be a lot more NPCs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I do think that the librarian of the university library is one that I enjoyed as well. <laughs> Little moment, but I enjoyed him. Yeah, one of my personal favorites is Rian Sungi. He's actually kind of inspired by a real-life musician by the name of Adolf Sax, the inventor of the saxophone. Really? <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. This guy, he grew up in a musical family. His parents did some work on like refining the French horn, and then he comes along he basically invents the format of the mellophone and the baritone horn that we still have today and he just invents the saxophone straight up because he wants something that has the flexibility of a woodwind but the projection of a brass instrument so yeah that's our little real world history fun fact corner but yeah that was also really fun having him be part of it and also it was a funny dumb little moment but I loved it when we decided that he was like franchised and yeah. there were like a yes. bunch of Tsungi shops out there I know we get more screen time with him in a few episodes and I liked those moments with him mm-hmm. a lot yeah but we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah. we'll, we'll pick up with that episode in our next episode of the obligatory talk back but for now thanks everybody for listening and thanks for being an Impetab patron through your generosity you're making dreams come true and you're helping us produce more stories for you and all the rest of our fans. If you have questions, comments, or anything else 10,000 things related that you'd like us to discuss on the talkback, you can feel free to let us know by reaching out on social media with the handle at ImprovTabletop, or you can email us at ImprovTabletop at gmail.com, or if you're a member of our patron-exclusive Discord, you can reach out to us there as well. If you give us those suggestions, we'll add them to the list, and hopefully you'll hear our response during a future episode. But until next time, I am Ned Wilcock, very professional actor, and I've been joined by... Caleb Anderton, microphone talker guy. McKenna Steele. And Christian Randall. (laughs) My toe hurts. My toe's covered with a kitty. (gasps) I'm very jealous. (laughs) Well, much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on the obligatory talkback.